You're listening to the Radical Departures podcast, your source for startup storytelling. I'm your host, Abby Klein. On the show, I interview entrepreneurs and other professionals from throughout the French and greater European startup ecosystems. We look at some of the interesting new developments that have taken place in France over the last few years and how the country is developing into a startup nation. On Radical Departures, you'll hear founders of some of the hottest companies share their stories and important things they've learned along the way. If you like the podcast, please subscribe and leave us a review in iTunes. This is episode 35 of the Radical Departures podcast. My guest today is Varada Suturitkol, co-founder of FilmDo. Varada launched FilmDo a few years ago. It's a global media company helping people to discover and watch great and often lesser known or hard to access films from around the world. Originally based in London, FilmDo was one of the recipients of the French Tech Ticket program in 2017, and they've been working for over a year now to build out development in France. In this episode, we discuss her experience with the French Tech Ticket, the market need she wants to fill, how FilmDo will expand their model, and much more. So without further ado, here's episode 35 with Varada Sucharitkal. So my guest today is Varada Sucharitkal, the co-founder of FilmDo. Welcome, Varada. Hi, Abby. So tell us about FilmDo. So FilmDo is an online platform helping people to discover films around the world. And increasingly, a lot of these films can help people to learn languages and also to explore cultures and celebrate diversity. So what sets you guys apart as a platform from just, you know, watching foreign movies on Netflix? Because we have a lot of films that are just not on Netflix. In fact, 50,000 films are made around the world every year. Many of these are award-winning films you hear about at Rotterdam, at Cannes, but yet you can never see them outside the country. That's probably due to the distribution system that's outdated. So how do you do to actually get those films, some of the independent films, I imagine, that are harder to get? Many are independent, but we don't only focus on independent. Actually, our aim is to be the platform to discover non-Hollywood films, essentially. So anything from a hundred million box office in, in China to independent films, to short films, to documentaries. We launched in May 2015, in fact, at Cannes. So during this time, we've grown uh, rapidly. We now have a catalog of over 2,500 films. We meet filmmakers at film festivals, at film markets. But over the time, increasingly, we're now being approached by filmmakers, producers, content owners were interested in showing their film internationally through film do. What is your background? How did you get into this? Were you in the film space before? Actually, not at all. I was a digital strategy consultant for uh, seven years. So I came out to the film purely from a consumer and viewer perspective. Both my co-founder and I, he's a lawyer. I'm a management consultant with a strong focus on digital strategy. We both grew up internationally. So I grew up in 10 countries, but now I've lived in France, so that makes it my 11th country across five continents. And likewise, he grew up a lot in the Middle East and in Australia. So we knew there was a whole world of film out there that we could use to watch or were able to access, which we couldn't in the UK or as easily on mainstream. 
So I think the film that kicked it off uh, was a Korean film called Masquerade in 2012. Both him and I, we wanted to see this film, which grossed 80 million box office in Korea. It sweeped the Golden Bells, which is the equivalent of the Oscars in Korea. It was a big film. It was a very successful film. Yet there was nowhere to see it anywhere in the UK. Not in the cinemas, not in art house cinemas, not online at the, at the time, not uh, on uh, DVDs and Blu-ray. So we just couldn't understand. So we looked into the problem and realized it was a legal problem that how the film works is that different countries need to have a distributor, or a local content owner who has the right to that film. It just didn't make sense to us that in this day and age with technology, with internet, you could help a film, uh, especially once it's played at the cinema, to be able to reach a global audience. And that was the vision and mission behind FilmZoom, to help great films that never get distributed uh, internationally to reach the uh, audience. But of course, underlying all that is what's really important is we're helping all these underrepresented voices, all these great stories to get seen and heard. And in a way, we can help people to also learn about different cultures and also with language learning. So that's the trajectory of FilmDo since we started. What were some of the biggest challenges with starting FilmDo? Because as you mentioned, I mean, clearly there are a lot of legal and regulatory issues, I would imagine. Yeah, so obviously neither of us came from the film background. So one of the first things was to find a team member who has a film background. So we do have uh, one guy in the core co-founding team now who's a filmmaker and film distributor by background. We also had to find our CTO. So uh, finding great and talented tech talent is always uh, very difficult. So that took a while to finding the right tech partner. And one thing we've learned along the way is I think B2C or direct to consumer is very unforgiving in the sense that you almost have to have a perfect product, the user journey, the user experience. You only have a split few seconds to, you know, in this someone comes to your site to get that right. They have to be impressed with the product, the, the, the film collection. And I think as a startup, we didn't realize how much more capital intensive a direct-to-consumer product is compared to a B2B or business-to-business product where you might have a software initial version, you trial with a few clients, you can work together to improve that. But a B2C works on a much more different time scale And for the end consumer, the level of, of features that they require is much, much higher. So we had a very fast learning curve, both on the technology and also to grow our film catalog collection rapidly to be able to satisfy desires or demands of the end consumer. And so you are now based in Paris. We actually have two offices. So we are a UK company, FilmDo Limited. Uh, we have an office in London in King's Cross. In 2017, uh, we were a French Tech Ticket 2017 winner. That's a French program where uh, the French government invited foreign startups to come to France for a year with some funding, equity-free funding, which is great, office space, uh, to be part of the incubator. So we were part of Le Cargo at the Paris & Co. network. There was a lot of mentorship, a lot of workshop, meeting with other French tech startup company. But that was our story. That was how we came to be based in Paris as well. We we're actually in the process of setting up a French subsidiary as we speak at the moment. What drew you to want to grow the company from here? What attracted you to France? Many reasons. Well, from the film front, it's a no-brainer. I mean, if you work in film, cinema, Paris is the birthplace of cinema. Yeah, French has a great film collection. We are actually the number one for French movies online in the UK. So it, it made sense from a film aspect to obviously have a base in France and also use that as a gateway to Europe. 
we focus on foreign language films. So, you know, uh, French films, German films, Italian, and of course, Japanese and, and Chinese. But a big focus is European films. It was only natural that we try to have a base in France, which thanks to the French government that, that made that possible. This allowed us to really tap into a more French content owner. But actually, we've been able to do a lot more by having a base in France. We partnered with two very big online film festivals, UniFrance, which is the organization that helps promote French film abroad. Earlier this year, we were the online partner with UniFrance My French Film Festival. So that was a, a really big milestone for us for having uh, spent a year in France. The other one was uh, Arte Kino Film Festival. It's another online film festival with Kino where we were the media partner. So that was really useful. But actually, more importantly, as you know, with Brexit, being a UK company and with a strong focus on European films and foreign language film, after Brexit, it made sense for us. We, were, we wanted to be in Europe and France was the top winner. And when we learned about this program, it was natural that we applied. We continue to want to be part of, of the EU. We see strong benefits, uh, both from a cultural, economic, and also uh, business reasons to remain in Europe. And uh, French Tech Ticket allowed us to maintain our close links to Europe through France. And as an example, at this Cannes Festival, we were just elected secretary of the Eurovot Association. So that's a very prestigious association of all the online platforms. I think there was only four or five members, Universina in, in France, filming in Spain, Realize in another German company. But being in France allowed us to have that credibility that we are continuing to do a lot more in Europe. And uh, being part of being the secretary to Eurovot just highlighted what our presence in France has helped us to be able to do. What was your experience like with the mentorship that you received here? Oh, it's great. I um. Everyone had a dedicated mentor. We had a very uh, great mentor. His name is Octav. He's the CEO of Setkeeper. I think they're a software tool to help film companies do project management. And then he's been great. He, you know, it was great talking to him. He studied abroad and now uh, started and developed his company in France. So, you know, he could share his tales, doing his thing in France. And it's great just to have someone we could talk to. We're currently fundraising at the moment because one very good aspect about being in France uh, as part of French Tech Ticket was also we had a very close relation with BPI France. So we were able to apply for the BPI France Concours d'Innovation program, which is a match funding program. And towards the back end of last year, uh, we found that we were successful, which is great news. Essentially, the French government are prepared to give us 270,000 euros if we can bring the other match funding from private investors. So currently, we are now uh, fundraising from prior investors for this match funding. And as part of this project, we will, of course, uh, set up a French subsidiary, which we're looking to do. We will completely move the technology and R&D center to France, to, to really ramp that in, that in France. And the project is to help further develop FilmDo into a platform to help people learn languages through film. To make it more of an educational program. Correct. We will be moving into an edutainment space building on a film catalog, of course. But it's great. It's a really big market. I, it's something I'm passionate about. I've been learning French since, since I moved to uh, Paris in February 2017. It's a way for people to keep themselves immersed. French content uh, daily is a great way to retain that and really get to script with the slangs and nuances that you might not get on other language tools. And I think us coming from the film background, having access to many of these films, many of which are award-winning films, I think 
it's a great starting point for us to build on our strength. Absolutely. Yeah, I know before I moved to France, even one of the, the first things I started to do was watch as many French movies as I could find. And like you said, you get exposed to the slang and the nuance that, that you don't learn in a class. And also you get to see a little bit of the culture sort of peek into it from the perspective of film. What do you see as particular advantages to, to being in the French startup ecosystem in particular these days? I think there's a lot going on in France. There's so many big tech conferences. I think Viva Tech was just recently held, this future on sign. Um, and there's the big one, BPI France Innovation. And also the immense support by the French government, especially if, if you're able to have a French entity or the French legal presence, all the way from the national level, as we know, all the way to the various regional level. I know some of my French tech ticket fellow companies who are based in Normandy has received immense support from the Normandy government. But I can feel the energy. I think there's a lot of both government investment, but maybe indirectly an impact of Brexit. A lot of companies are now also looking at moving back to France or moving to France or setting up a second office in France as we do. And France is only two and a half hours away from the UK still. So I've just done a day trip where I was in London. I had a meeting in Paris. I was back in London. It's completely possible to do that. And France is a great way to be uh, the center of, of center hub between the UK and the rest of Europe still. So it's a great location. Time zones work well. And most of all, I think it's the buzz. I, even coming from a UK company, I have to feel I feel more of a buzz in, in France these days across the different sectors. In the UK, it's kind of a little bit of a standstill. No one's quite knowing which direction it's going to go. I'm sure things will improve, of course, but just as at the moment, as you can appreciate, uncertainty. Whereas in France, I really feel there's a lot of enthusiasm and also the tech talent in, in France. Um, there's an immense pool of tech talent uh, around AI, machine learning, and that's really great to be able to tap into that if you're doing a lot more in France. And you mentioned that you're going to be moving your R&D completely to France. Exactly. For, very, for this very reason, our platform, language learning platform, is a machine learning platform that you know, will recommend films based on your language learning. So there's a very heavily AI component. and we will be looking for linguists and AI talent, of which you know there are many in France. So it makes sense for us to have a strong tech and R&D center in France. So you mentioned that you're fundraising now. Before that, how did you choose to grow and fund the company? Like I said, we launched in 2015. So pretty much the first year was a bootstrap and saving. So me and my co-founder. And we started growing organically, grew our traffic. We kept the team relatively small. In 26, end of 2016, we did a crowdfunding campaign on a platform called Cedars in the UK. So, so we were successful in that crowdfunding campaign. So that, that gave us our first a major investment. And then we you know, used that to grow the company. But then obviously we learned about the French tech ticket program and that's how we ended up in France. But it's pretty much been bootstrapped. In, even though we did a crowdfunding round, it was still a relatively small round. But now we're, it will be the first big round we're looking to do with the uh, commitment, uh, part commitment already by the French government. What's your vision for growing and, and expanding in the future? Like I said, actually, we're very excited to be able to do more into uh, language learning, which is online education space. It's a $60 billion market um, annually. So it's actually really good. And it's growing. There's a lot of interest. And plus the ability to move away from just a pure entertainment, but to create a purpose and, and value from what we're building is really exciting. It's something I'm passionate about. It's something my team believes in. So we're looking at a way to really do that. But it allows us 
I think the initial question, how do you differentiate? We're not just an online platform to watch movies, even though our content is a lot different from the likes of World Cinema Collection on, on most other major platforms. But this focus on language learning and, and cultural exploration is what will give us a different edge. Are there any, looking back before we look forward again, are there any mistakes that you've made along the way or anything you would change looking backwards? I guess it's a, both a strength and a weakness. I mean, d- due to the nature of the team and, and the nature of what we do, we've always had quite a distributed team. So, you know, my co-founder spent a lot of time in Australia, me in the UK, me in Thailand, my other co-founder uh, in, between Paris and London. So I, I think for our time, you know, being a distributed team, I think we've done the best we could. But I think to really grow to that next level, I think we really need a very strong uh, focus as a team and really spend more time. So that's why at the moment we're spending a lot more time back in London together as a team. And, you know, we're looking forward to spending more time in, in Paris with the next phase. But on the other hand, it's been a strength because that allows us to be truly internationally and globally. We could get films all the way from Asia, from around the world, just because we spend so much time internationally on the road. So it gives us an edge because we're actually there meeting content owners, meeting filmmakers, going to film festivals. You know, I was in Laos, I was invited to Ukraine. But I think the next period, especially as we develop this language learning arm, which is a much more technology heavy, it's it's important to have a concentration for the next uh, immediate period. And then I think that would give us the, the energy as a team to scale and focus. How big is the team now? The core co-founding team is about four team members, and we have about uh, three junior team members who help with editorial newsletter. But it was myself and another guy who's based in Paris. But it's still a very small team. So if you come to the website, you won't appreciate it. We do everything from, you know, film file, ingestion, coding, transcoding. Yeah, it's super impressive. You would not expect it would just be three or four people from what you can see. That's right, yeah. Would you have any advice for, for entrepreneurs who are just starting out, things that you would you know, suggest uh, maybe not as obvious? I think one of the things we've um, learned the hard way is also in the beginning, you know, you, you're starting out, I think you overspend. And as a marketing agency, you want to do this, you want to do that. And you, know, you, you don't appreciate because you think you know, they're experts in their field. You think they're SEO experts. You think they're, they can do Facebook ads, et cetera. But we spent a lot of money in that kind of activity you know, using an outsource or an agency, and we saw very little return. Unless you have the budget for that, I, especially if you're a bootstrap or startup, I, I think try to keep your capability in-house. I've learned the hard way that, you know, you should really try to focus on what you can do first rather than trying to get another company. And what you can do yourself is either try to get that person in as a team member, because then you share the share of value, you have some equity basis, and that, that is what I considered capability in-house. But if you're spending, you know, a few thousands a month on marketing or on even to some extent tech from the very early onset, when you don't have a proven business model, a revenue model, that's a heavy cost in the beginning. You should try to keep all these costs while you're testing, refining the product in-house as much as possible, doing it yourself or, you know, on an equity basis or with a fellow team member who's part of the team. But that's one thing I would advise. At the moment, we do most of our marketing and everything in-house now. We don't use an agency. We may again in the future once we're much bigger and you know we have that kind of uh, a budget for it. But it's something we've learned that as a, as a startup, you have to be so, so focused. There are so many companies that claim we can help you with this, we can help you with that. You know, For a retainer, I think you just have to be so precious until they prove that they can deliver otherwise. So be very conscious, 
see what you can do within the team yourself or to keep that cost low or as someone who's part of that team. And I think only engage externally for in very rare circumstances where you need that particular skill or, or talent or for a very short period. That's really good advice. Something we've learned the hard way. But it's always companies coming. Oh, we can help you with your Facebook ad, your Google ad for a few thousands a month. But this is our story. We have not seen the return. And actually, once we cut back all that spend and do it ourselves, we've definitely seen a lot more engagement. Can you explain the name, FilmDo? It's D-O-O. That's right. So I'm Thai, by, from Thailand by origin. We, from the very beginning, my co-founder and I, we've always wanted to have a foreign word in the name because to highlight the strong association with our foreign content and showing films from around the world. Do actually means to watch or see a movie in Thai. And in fact, it was my mom who came up with the name. So initially, we wanted to call it uh, Screen Road. I think I even registered the domain. So, you know, like Silk Road. So we're the road that connects people around the world through the screen. And I told my mom and she was like, oh, that's a horrible name. Screen Road. It sounds like you're screaming or screeching. She's like, it's not pleasant to the ear. She's like, just call it Film Do. You know, Do means to watch a movie or see a film in Thai and film. And she's like, that's nice and simple and it will catch on. Thanks to my mom. That's how we've got the name. So... Thank you for joining me. Before you go, one last question. How do you personally define success? I find a success in two ways, sustainability and value. If you're able to sustain your business, as in, you know, you're able to keep it going, you're able to make ends meet, you're able to do a profit, you can keep your vision going, that is success. You're able to stand on your own. I think increasingly, when I started out this business, you know, obviously being a tech and startup business, you know, you think it's on a different scale to you know small and, and medium business, etc. But I have to say, my vision and, and respect has completely changed. You know, my mother, for example, she has you know a bakery, she makes wedding cake, but she's sustainable. She has no external cash flow. Every month she covers. I really have a strong respect for you know uh, what you call traditional small company owners who sustain, who develop livelihoods, whether they're a lifestyle company. And I have a lot of time and respect for people who do that now. That's something I think I didn't appreciate when I first started out this, this company because, you, you know, you think, oh, it's a small company. Actually, no, it's, it's sustainability for me success. The second thing is value. So that's why for me, I think being able to move into language learning where the product you're building or the service you're building is able to create some value back to the user, some value back to society. I think that's a great thing. And if you're able to do that, that for me is also success. Thank you, Verada. That was really great. That wraps up another episode of Radical Departures. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, please subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and leave us a review and let us know who you'd like to hear on the show. Catch you next week.